So, episode 28, I believe. Uh, well, episode 27. 27 part two. Re- rebooted because we'll start off by apologizing for the last episode. Te- technical de- difficulties. But we won't worry about that. We're moving on. So typically, you guys, on Mainly Stupid, you've heard me and Garrett bitch, whine, can play, talk about mostly stuff that is just talk about anything. But tonight, we have a very special guest joining us, a man who has traveled the globe protecting the best goddamn country on this planet as a member of its toughest fighting force, a husband, a father, a patriot, and most of all, I'm proud to call him my father-in-law, ladies and gentlemen, here to celebrate the 244th birthday of the United States Marine Corps, First Sergeant Retired Fred Levine. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, 244 years, that's amazing, isn't it? It is. And we were talking off the podcast a couple days ago. You explained that a lot of the other armed forces don't celebrate the Marine Corps like like the birthday, like like the Marine Corps, uh, the birthday of the Marine Corps, like you guys do. And I'm sure they probably have an office party or something. <laughs> but uh, now nah, the Marine Corps, it's a, it's a, it's a holiday to us. You know? And no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you know, even if you're getting shot at at the time, you know, you always, 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 you know, you're, you're going to celebrate or acknowledge, yeah. you know, the 10th. So. Yeah, it means a lot to us. No doubt. So, just a little background on yourself. Why don't we? Uh, what was <clears throat> you obviously joined the Marine Corps right out of high school? Yeah, short time at Thomaston for trafficking peyote. <laughs> 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 no, I uh, was never convicted. <laughs> I don't even know what peyote is. Neither I've I've got no idea either. I, I assume it's some sort of illegal drug, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I graduated out of Kittery Trade Academy in uh, 1980. Okay. And uh, went in the Marine Corps the following month. So you were 18? I was 18 years old. 18 years old. <laughs> and uh, walk us through a little bit. So you, Paris Island, obviously. That's, That's it. the Marine yep. Corps. Yep. All, Marine- all Marines or all recruits east of the Mississippi go to Paris Island. If you live in the United States west of the Mississippi, you go to San Diego. Okay. So, uh, I feel like they get it a little better over there. Uh, well, the training's about the same, you know, truthfully. Yeah. But um, San Diego's nicer than Paris Island. Yeah, it is. They don't <laughs> let you really enjoy it too much, though. <laughs> but, but you're not uh, getting evacuated in San Diego for a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> they, uh, plus, their uh, their base is right on the, uh, the border of San Diego Airport. Oh. So, you know, when you're missing mommy and, you know... you. You just feeling as low as you can low. You get to watch these airliners take off. <laughs> yeah, sit there and watch. I airplanes. could be on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Paris Island, you're basically on an uh, you know an island surrounded by a swamp. So I was doing some some research on the Marine Corps myself before this, and <clears throat> it's I read that every Marine is trained to be a rifleman. Exactly. And <clears throat> from there, you could go on to different. Trades, I guess, is the yep. best way to yep. describe it. Okay. So, <clears throat> did you go in with the intent to be infantry, or were you? No, nah, like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
when I went in, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to learn a trade. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn that. You know, so I picked aviation. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I don't have any big regrets, but, I mean, yeah, I went aviation. And uh, <clears throat> what I, I think, looking back on it, it's probably what I should have done is when I first went in, you know, went infantry. Yep. Because as I progressed in my career, you know, it just, uh, you, you realize that, well, that's what is the Marine Corps. You know, everybody yeah. else is just to support that one man's corporal with a rifle, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I served with the infantry a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I wasn't an infantry guy. Okay. But, uh, and from there, you know, you started aviation and then you moved to, I know you've told me in the past, EOD. Uh, yeah. Well, before that, I got to boot camp and uh, it was, I think... October of 1980, graduated, got my title, and uh, then went to Meridian, Mississippi for aviation supply school, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's my aviation career. Great, you know, I thought I'd you know, <laughs> work on helicopters or airplanes or something like that, but I wound up in uh, the logistics side of it. But I was lucky, I got stationed at Marine Corps Station in Yuma, Arizona, mm -hmm. and then uh, I was attached right to a Harrier squadron. Which turned out to be the greatest thing in the world because they're, it's an FMF that they deploy. They, they go all over the world. Yeah. You know, they go aboard ship. And, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. So, And I also spent a lot of time in a hangar working on aircraft and stuff. So I wound up with my secondary MOS as an aircraft mechanic on yep. years. And, uh, yeah, that's where I met your mother-in-law. Uh, She's all right. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. It, it worked out good. It's been 35 years. You know? <laughs> and uh, she did 16 of my 20 years, you know, with me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she's definitely a Marine wife. Now, <clears throat> obviously, throughout your career, the stress and stuff you've endured is crazy. Sometimes. <clears throat> you, in, you know, it, is it? It must be true that the military spouse or your wife, my mother-in-law in this case, goes endures the same amount of stress just at a different angle, I guess, is, oh, the, is the best way to describe yeah. it. No, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, because a lot of times she, she's on her own. Yeah. You know? I mean, kids get sick, car breaks down, house burns down, you know, freaking there's an insurrection in town or some shit. I mean, whatever. Yeah. You know, she's got to deal with that on her own. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a few things, obviously, you know, family programs and stuff to help out, but, you know, you just, it's just, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of by yourself time. Yeah. You know, you know. I remember her, I, well, she's told me multiple times about how she's driven cross country with yeah. your two kids and, yeah. I mean, sometimes driving to Portsmouth with your daughter could be a little stressful. <laughs> I can't imagine driving from. Yeah, I, I was the one who taught her how to drive. <laughs> and as you can see, I don't know if I was that successful. <laughs> no. um, she, uh, she burned out a few clutches. <laughs> and, uh, she does all right. She does. <laughs> um, so from Yuma, where was your next Back to Paris Island. Back to Paris Island. Yeah. And that's uh, when you entered the drill field? That's it. Yeah, we call it the drill field. Became a drill instructor. Um, <coughs> of all the things I did, that was probably one of the toughest physical schools I ever went to. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in 1986. And how it worked back then is uh, usually they, they you volunteer for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you got to get screened, your, your CO's got to endorse you, they try not to send, you know, 
Just anybody. Yeah, just anybody. And um, you get a psychological exam. And uh, I don't know how I passed that, but I did. <laughs> uh, you went to Parasala, the DI school. Yeah. You actually have a school for your instructors. And it was an absolute bear. I mean, it was a bitch. And uh, just a PT and, and uh, the stress. And if you, you kind of look at it like this, it says, well, everybody knows, oh, this is the Marine Corps. This is the Marine. You know what I mean? What he did to become a Marine. But what about the person that's going to make the Marine? You yep. know what I mean? So back then they used to say that you get to DI school and you have a successful tour in the Marine Corps, you know, you are the top 10% of the Marine Corps. Yeah. It's, it's, and they only, back then they only let you do it for two years. Because after that you're a walking psychotic, you know, <laughs> you're just the stress and the hours and yep. the, the exhaustion and the, <clears throat> now, what was that like? So you, so obviously, you know everything that I've seen of videos and stuff of being, of, you know, being at Paris Island. Mm-hmm. The drill instructors are there pretty much almost as much as the they are 20%. the recruit. Yeah. You know? So did you get to go home in that at that period? Yeah. In that how, time? It, how it works, and it depends on what part of the training cycle you're in. But uh, you usually have a team of at least three drill instructors. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You three with this cycle from day training day one to training day, you know, whatever it is, 70, 80, whatever it is. And about every other night, you're staying over in the barracks. Okay. Um, we have what's called a DI's house. It's a, like an office and it has a rack in there and your wall locker and the desk. And, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, that's where you sleep. So the recruits are with one of those three drill instructors 24-7. For three months. Okay. You know? But back then, I think it was 11 weeks. It's a little bit longer now. And so, yeah, that's a lot of stress. Yeah, no know? doubt. And you figure you're up an hour before them. You're in the rack usually two or three hours after them, you know. And they're going to get their eight hours of sleep. Yeah. You yeah. Know, unless they get assigned a fire watch every other night. But, you know, they're, they're going to get their eight hours of sleep, but you don't, you know. And in addition to, and you got to look perfect yeah. 24-7. Yeah, you know, because you're setting an example for them. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's the toughest part. Like, you know, there's an adage that we used to use, um, you know, those who can't teach. Yeah. It's not that way. <laughs> no, not in the Marine Marines. No. And it's not that way in, like, a, in a lot of things right. where you have good teachers and that you're dependent on those teachers. I right. know my woodshop teacher, that adage stands with him because <laughs> those who can't teach and he could not yeah. and if he's listening I, I doubt it because he hated me but he still had me as an assistant teacher one of the classes because he was horrible but you know the the amount of time and effort that goes into i mean well i guess before i get there I, I the only one like big question i have is why are the marines so different from every other force that's a good question because it's a brotherhood, and oh, yeah. it, it is tighter than anyone. Like, you hear, like you said, you know, they don't have parties. They don't celebrate their birthday as, you know, as a like we branch do. of the yeah. service. You know, the Marines, fucking, you know when you meet a Marine. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, not not a detractor at all. It's, you know, but it's, you guys are very proud of your heritage. You're very proud of your, you know, the history of the Marines. We're arrogant assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, and that's one way to do it. Yeah. And we could sometimes take it to an art form. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think to answer your question, I, it's our history. Yeah. And the fact that we, we 
we go forward, okay, building on not tarnishing that history of the past. Yeah. Okay? I mean, everything about the Marine Corps is tradition. Our uniforms, there's things on our uniforms and designed that I can tell you the history of it. You know, um, uh, the famous battles, um, slogans, sayings, yeah. uh, our customs, our courtesies. We, we just keep the traditions alive. We keep the, the, the customs and courtesies alive. Um, and we build upon all those Marines in the past, you know. Whatever got us here, we got to make sure that we keep going forward, you know, based on their standard and how they did. And, and it, it just, and, you know, plus our training tends to be, our basic definitely is, is tougher than all the other services. You know yeah. What I mean? It's also longer. And uh, we've always separated female recruits and male recruits, you know what I mean? Whereas the rest of the services, they're all combined in the same training cycle, you know what yeah. I mean? But I have to throw something out there. The Marine Corps is uh, at the point now where Congress is kicking our ass, and we have to do that social shit, that social justice, but just whatever they call the it. The bullshit. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep an open mind on it. But uh, now they're starting to, I mean, they're not living in the same barracks or nothing like that, but now some of the training events that male recruits would go through, they're also going to have the female recruits in the same training event, you know what I mean? Yeah. They try to, and, and, and I think they're doing that to try to get the female Marines to be feel more like, you know. Male Marines? Uh, I'll say it. Yeah, it's part of the, it's, it's part of the core, you know, it's part yeah. of the unit, it's, it's, it's part of the big team. I don't know. I, yeah, I, when I was on the drill field, we, we were totally separated. Yeah. You know what I mean? I actually read a, and this is not necessarily the the female Marines versus the male aspect, but I was reading last night that during the Vietnam War, they actually, this goes back to your, about the longer training cycle as a Marine, to become a Marine, that during the Vietnam War, they shortened it for a period of time. And was that... Six weeks or something like that? Yeah. Oh my God. And was that... Air Force... Was that based on just to get more guys exactly. to the to the battlefield? They had to. It was it was uh, it was getting bad. Yeah. in the late sixties, and uh, they needed replacements, and so they, they were shortening. Yeah. You know, boot camp. Um, that was probably out of necessity, but yeah. I, I think it probably wasn't, you know, a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you're you're making these drill instructors work harder, and. Uh, and the recruits aren't getting yeah. the amount of training. Exactly. They're getting everything packed in so quick. Right. right. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you talk about traditions and stuff like that in the Marine Corps. Let's get in a little bit of the history of it. Okay. <clears throat> and, I mean, Garrett, if you have any questions, jump in as well as on this. But I know a little bit, but why don't we – why don't you start from the beginning of how it – of how it happened. Okay. How the Marine Corps happened? Yeah, where the, where did the Marine Corps get birthed from? In a bar. Makes sense. Yeah. All oh, good ideas start yeah. out. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Cheers on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Continental Congress. This is before we even had a, a country. You know, um, the Continental Congress, the Second Continental Congress, in November passed a resolution to raise two battalions of Marines. And they say they were to be such men as to be familiar with arms 
and familiar with maritime affairs. Okay. Meaning, you know, they can live and work on a ship. And uh, they had, there was this tavern in Philadelphia. It's called Tun Tavern. And uh, that's where they started uh, recruiting these people to come in and, uh, you know, start raising up the two battalions. So Tun Tavern, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that's the, uh, the birthplace of the Marine Corps. And the resolution from Congress was 10 November 1775. So that was the beginning of the Marine Corps. And uh, Samuel Nicholas, who I think they commissioned him as, I believe, a lieutenant or a captain. I'm not sure. But anyway, he became the first Marine Corps officer. And he became essentially the first commandant of the Marine Corps. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, that's basically how it began. And then the, the Marine Corps had kind of a story on and off again, you know, existence. Yeah. Actually, yeah. from then on, because, you know, obviously, as soon as the Revolutionary War was over with, we kicked the freaking British out of our country. And uh, now we didn't, you know, back then the conventional wisdom was, we don't need, uh, you know, we don't need a standing army, we don't need a navy, so they start, you know, slashing defense cuts and everything else and, you know, get rid of all our services. Well, there goes the Marine Corps, too. Yeah. And it's important to note that the Marine Corps wasn't its own service. It was directly under the Navy. Okay. You know? And, uh, you know, then something comes up, like the Barbary Pirate Wars, uh, when Thomas Jefferson was president. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's actually in our song, the, the Shades yeah. of Tripoli. In uh, Libya, um, you know, boom, okay, now we need Marines. You know, oh, geez, well, maybe we ought to, you know, get a few ships, stuff like that. And uh, actually, the... the I think the Libya campaign mm -hmm. on Tripoli, I think that was the very first major offensive action the Marine Corps did in its history. Okay. Something like that. But we just kicked the shit out of the pirates. Because they were screwing with our trade and, you know. Yep. And uh, God knows we couldn't take the economic hit back there. Country, <laughs> so. Thomas Jefferson says, send in the Marines, so we did. So uh, who are some of the most famous Marines? The most famous is probably Lewis Burwell Puller. Is, uh, they call him Chesty. He was about five foot nothing. He's a pretty short guy, barrel chest. Um, he is the only Marine to win five Navy crosses. Okay. And to this day, every recruit in boot camp uh, says a prayer to him every single night before they go to bed. It's just another one of those kind of unwritten rules. Yeah. But yeah. when I was a drill instructor, I had my recruits do it. You know, you say, good night, Chesty, wherever you are, you know, after the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, yeah, he's a very, very famous guy. World War II, um, Korea. Yeah. And what, what is the Navy Cross? What's the Navy Cross is the second highest award for Valor. It's just below the Medal of Honor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Navy and the Marine Corps, the Navy Cross, the Air Force has an Air Force Cross, the Army has a Distinguished Service Cross. That's what okay. They're all equal, but they just call them a different thing. Yep. So Navy Cross is the number two. Right. Number two merit badge there. But, yep. yeah, he had five of them. It's amazing. Yeah. Just uh, the It'd stories. A bad motherfucker to get oh, one of those. Oh, he was. He was. And he yeah. had five. God, it's just so many stories about this guy. Yeah. So many stories. But one of my favorite one. All right. This is Chesty Puller. Korea, Chosen Reservoir. Uh, did... His entire first Marine Division was essentially surrounded by way more Chinese than we had Marines. And uh, 
they pulled an Army artillery unit to come in and support the Marine Corps. So the, the, the battery commander in the Army, he comes in and he reports to Chesty and says, you know, I got X amount of guns. You know, this is how many tubes I have. This is how many people I have, yada, yada, yada. Where do you want us to set up? He sets up there. He takes him to the map, tells his Army dog where, you know, he wants his artillery set up. And then this Army officer had the audacity to say, okay, what's our line of retreat? You know, if we get overrun, where do we go? You know? And Chessie didn't answer him. He just walked over to the field telephone, picked it up, and called the Marine Artillery Unit, gave him the coordinates of the Army unit, and says if they pull back one foot, open fire on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to enjoy working with Marines after that. <laughs> you know? But uh, Chessie was, he was the man. Yeah. You know? And uh, he was very, very politically incorrect. Sounds even it. Even for them standing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he retired as a lieutenant general. He's a hell of a guy. And matter of fact, our our Marine Corps, the official Marine Corps mascot, was is an English bulldog. Yeah, that was named after him to this day. He's Chesty. <clears throat> yeah, he's called That's Chesty. Cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's a famous Marine. We got man, we got a bunch of them. Dan Daly, Smedley Butler, those are two Marines that uh, the only two Marines in the history of the Marine Corps to win two Medal of Honors. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know you could win two Medal of Honors. Yeah, they did. Yeah, you can. Yeah, that's that's something. But we also have our infamous Marines, too, the ones that, you know. Uh, did the crazy shit? Yeah, that, that didn't do the Corps any favors, you know what I mean? Like Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald, <laughs> yeah, you know. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, you know, not exactly one of our prouder, you know, members. Um Son of a bitch could fucking shoot them. Yeah, he was, was a, say, he was a, a shot. He yeah. was a good shot. Yeah, he I mean, they, for years, they think there was two of them, you know. Yeah, I'm I, 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 not really a conspiracist. I think, he, uh, I think he did it on his own. Yeah. Um, Charles Whitman. Yeah, he was a, he was a, a the chocolate player. guy? No, this is the guy that... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fuck. Just for... For the folks at home, I knew that he wasn't the truck. That was purely for content. <laughs> no, you remember uh, what, 67, 68? Was it Texas Towers? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. This guy had a bunch of rifles, climbed up the top of the uh, Texas Tower and just oh, that's killed right. a yeah. bunch of people. That was yep. just really bad. And that actually began the uh, a little bit of the law enforcement uh, what do you call that? Uh, trivia? Trivia. That's okay. it, trivia. Is, uh, that kind of began the whole concept behind, behind a SWAT team. Yeah. You know? But anyway, yeah, him, he, was, he, was, he wasn't good. Uh, <coughs> um, General Mattis was a Marine, wasn't he? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Mad yeah. dog. Yeah, he was good. So I kind of came up with a, we'll call it a game, but oh, boy. it's... It's a good one, I think. So I looked up some phrases, some terms, some things about the Marine Corps. Okay. I'll say them to you, yep. and then kind of in you know layman's terms, explain them to us, that okay. type of thing. <clears throat> so the first one, Semper Fi. Yep. Obviously, everybody's heard it. Who sure. you know, it, it's what is it? What does it mean? It's Latin. It's, well, I knew that. All right, good. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> it actually simplifies the slang version of it. It's actually Semper Fidelis. Yes. And it means always faithful. Okay. Yep. Which it seems like 
Marines are probably the most faithful of the bunch. I would say so. Um, next one, the blood stripe. Blood stripe on Marine Corps officers and non-commissioned officers. Dress blue trousers. Mm -hmm. There is what we call a blood stripe. It's the red stripe that goes all the way down the leg. That is worn because of the American-Mexican War in the 1800s. I think it was like the 1840s, I think, somewhere down there, uh, where we assaulted the castle at Chapultepec. And remember the in the Marines' hymn, The Halls of Montezuma? Yep. All right, that's where that comes from. Uh, during the battle, we lost 90% of all of our non-commissioned officers and our officers in that battle, and that we still kicked ass and won. To signify the fact that we lost so many casualties, it's such a brave banner and everything, to this day, we wear the blood stripe in remembrance of that. That's what that's for. All right. See, this is all shit that I, I didn't know. Um, I'll tell you something interesting real quick. Yeah. I, I'm no freaking genius here. Every single recruit that goes to boot camp, he learns this stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's something else we do that the other services don't do. <coughs> you learn you know, history. We, they teach you Marine Corps history formally in boot camp. And I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. And everybody that I know that is a Marine would be able to recite this stuff too. And, and I think that is fantastic. Um, <clears throat> Leathernecks. Cool. All right. Back in the Continental Marines days, mm -hmm. all right, they had, uh, you know, they used to fight with swords. So every recruit that came in and became a Marine was assigned to a, a ship or whatever the case may be. They would, one of one piece of issue he had was what they call a leather stock. And it used to, you know, go from the bottom of the chin down to the shoulders there. And it served two purposes. The first one was to keep his head always erect, you know what I mean, for military bearing and yep. to look badass amongst the sailors. And uh, the second thing is it's to protect you from sword blows. Okay. Protect the neck to get slashed with a sword or something. So leather neck, that's where that term comes from. All right. And our dress blue uniform, we had the collar that comes up. Yep. That's... That's what that, that okay. Yep. Well, I did, that's that's neat. Um, Do the Marines have a college? Yeah, it's called the University of Paris Island. So they don't have like a an cat like West Point or the like equivalent. We go to West. Annapolis. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, let the Navy pay for it. But Garrett has some family that lives and was a Marine, right? Yeah. Cool. And uh, yeah. And yeah, actually, my cousin was a Marine. They did. And that was the probably the most moving and most badass wedding I've ever been to was his. Oh, neat. And it was a full dress blue yep. service and sword yep. tunnel yeah. leaving the church. And, I mean, it was at a Catholic cathedral nice. in Baltimore, Maryland. It's massive, you know, wicked old building. And then to see all of them in their, you know, dress blues, sharp, and it was... Like walking out and watching that, I was just like, "Holy shit! Like yeah, this is badass." Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the same thing at my wedding too. <clears throat> had the swords. And so it was really nice. Do this one kind of, and then we'll just carry on from here. Sure. Uh, devil dogs. Okay. Uh, World War One. Uh, we had two Marine regiments. That's basically almost the entire Marine Corps at that time, except for naval bases, guards, and a few Marines on ships and stuff. We, we grabbed every available Marine from all the barracks across the United States, and we formed two, two regiments, the 5th Marine Regiment and the 6th Marine Regiment, and we went overseas. In the Argonne Force, there's a, a 
woods in France called Belleau Wood, and Marines assaulted uh, just superior numbers and were just took ungodly casualties, and yet they kept going, they kept going, they kept going. And the Germans um, nicknamed them Tufenhunden. Okay. Not, Something like that. I, I don't speak German, but I think it's like Tufen hunting, something like that, which means devilish dogs. Okay. Because these these Marines fight like devil dogs, you know. Yeah. And the Marine Corps never to, uh, you know, let a good uh, battle victory go to waste. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, they took that term, and to this day we refer to each other as devil dogs. And uh, something else that's kind of interesting on that same line is. General Pershing, who was in charge of the entire Allied Expeditionary Force, all, all military for the U.S. there in, in, in the World War One, he basically hated the Marine Corps. He didn't want yeah. them there, you know, but shit, now they're here, so, he, you know, he's just setting them aside, setting them aside. But they were actually the first ones to go in and fight. Yeah. And when they did really, really good, he did not want to give them the recognition, you know, they deserved to the press and this, yeah. that, and reports home and whatever else. Well, there was this one journalist, I forget his name, but he evidently get, didn't get the memo, and uh, he, against his orders, he sent a press release about the battle back to America, right? So here it is, you, what, 6,000 Marines are saving the world, you know? Yeah. These 500,000 Army soldiers ain't doing shit over there. So the Army was less than impressed, yeah. less than happy, but it catapulted us in the news, you know, and then that's where the slogan First to Fight came from, I think. And, uh, you know, Devil Dog and all this stuff. And Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a little bit of a history with the Army. Not always good. <laughs> Is that where Ain't Ready to Be ain't ready to be a Marine yet? No, from? that's uh, that's just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know anything. And uh, I, I think just the entire history kind of bears that out. But, yeah. You know. And that's why you always want Navy to beat Army. Oh, every, every year at you college know, other football. Other than that, you really don't give a shit. If, you know, what they do. <laughs> if they're going to beat Army, you know. Yep. Hell yeah. So, and then, <clears throat> oorah. Where did that come from? Um, getting kicked into frigging balls. Yeah. I don't know. Just, um, you know, it. Just one of those steep it's just traditions. One of those glutteral grunts. Yeah. You know. Um. I don't know. You just we just sometimes we're just a bunch of knuckle dragging. I've never, you know, I've never, I, one of my best friends growing up was was a Marine or is a Marine, and <clears throat> I know people that have been in the Air Force, the Army, the Navy, mm-hmm. yeah, all branches of service. I have never heard a branch of service talk more shit on themselves. Than the Marines, yeah, you know that crayon eaters is a term that yeah. I've heard. It's in, it, oh yeah, and I guess it gives them that clout to just be the fucking badasses that they are. Well, it's. <coughs> I don't think that they're not yeah. doing it in a negative way, but no, it's just it's I, I don't know what's it professional jealousy or they just get tired of you know why are these guys just so full of themselves yeah. You know, where do they get their arrogance from? I, I don't know. <laughs> One of the podcasts that Garrett and I listen to, there's a guy on it who is a Marine Marine Corps veteran. And he was talking about after he was in, he was a, in 
he was a cop, military police or whatever. And they were in, there was a small detachment of Marines at Lackland Air Force Base. And he said they always used to make fun of the Air Force pararescue guys that would go running by and shit like that. When all reality, you know, where I was, <laughs> the, para, the pararescue yeah. guys would just beat the shit out of the Marines. Oh, that's right. that's <laughs> but they never thing. did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, each service has uh, has their special troops. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what are the Marines? Uh, we have what's called Raiders. Yeah. Um, it used to be Marine Recon. Yeah. Reconnaissance. And it's, it's, it's changed over the years. It was, you know, it's changed a bunch of times when I first went in and, you know, it's changed now. Um, Raiders is a term or a unit that came from back in World War II in the very, very beginning before we even hit, uh, uh, right around before we hit Guadalcanal as the first amphibious assault in World War II. Um, President Roosevelt wanted to have a commandos in, like, like Winston Churchill did over in mm-hmm. Britain. And, uh, so he, they created the Raiders. You know, they really didn't have a whole lot of military success. You yeah. know what I mean? And eventually they got folded into you know the rest of the units. Okay. But uh, they were specially trained Marines, knife fighting, you know, living off the land, eating yep. small animals, you know, all that, <laughs> killing people with your with your hand, and you know all that stuff. And uh, they were called Raiders. And then after World War II, we never had Raiders again. But our recon came up, you know, after that. And these are Marines that, uh, they're trained to scuba dive, they're trained to jump, mm-hmm. parachute. Um, their job is not so much to fight, although you don't want to fight one. Yeah. But their job is to get in, observe, you know what I mean? And then uh, get out and report. And uh, in order to do that, you got to be some kind of a badass. It's, yeah. it's very, very tough training. Um, so the, the Navy is the SEALs, obviously. Yep. The Air Force is pararescue. Yeah. And the Marines Parent have rescue and also uh, they have a forward, it's almost like our Anglico. It's, they take these Air Force guys and they put them in with Army grunt units and they yep. coordinate close air support and stuff. Okay. You know? I really don't know why. I mean, shit, we do, uh, we do it ourselves. I don't know why we need a special unit for that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't, don't want to digress. But, yeah, um, they're, they're pretty tough guys. And in the Army, they have their... You know, they're the Green Braves and the Rangers, yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. Everybody has a different job. Everybody has a purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, not to get too far along here, but if, if you really think about it and, and you look at it from a common sense point of view, we really don't need a Marine Corps. You know, we really don't. The Army, if they wanted to, they could do the same thing we can. Yeah. You know? uh, the Air Force, they can take up close air support like we do. You know what I mean? Um, you could put army guys on ships. Hell, they did it in Europe all the time. You know what I mean? Um, you could forward deploy army guys like you can with us. But uh, well, I'll tell you, I think the I th- reason we have a Marine Corps is because America wants a Marine Corps. You know what I mean? I think that, and I think it's got such a storied history of being the baddest motherfuckers on the on the battlefield. That yeah. It's like, you know, <clears throat> you don't go into the army trying to be a Marine. No, you know, you go yeah. to the Marines, yeah. or you go to the Air Force to go play beach volleyball and exactly. yeah, <laughs> ride well, your motorcycle. The, yeah, we're the only service that you actually earn a title. You know, yeah. that you carry for the rest of your life. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think that uh, that's kind of that's going so back cool. to like the first question. You know why? You know why is it 
it's that history and that that camaraderie that stays with you for life that I think yeah. differentiates the Marines from any other group. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think the Navy could tell you their birthday. No, they probably could, but I mean, the way yeah. you described it to me is it didn't matter, like you just said. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're at, you know, it's... What's it, with the cake? Ah, I saw something on the cake the other yeah. day. Yep. When, uh, whenever you have a birthday celebration, there's uh, two things that happen. Um, there is a, uh, we call it, a, I think, it's like an all-mar, or an all-marines. It's like a bullet that comes down off the counter of the Marine Corps. Way back in... Let's see. I want to say after World War One, so it would have been in the in the 1920s. We had a commandant, General John A. Lejeune, who uh, they just happened to name Camp Lejeune. Camp Lejeune, for. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also uh, General Lejeune was the first Marine in the history of the Marine Corps to command an Army Corps or an Army unit. I think he commanded the division, second second Army division. So yeah, take that piece of shit. <laughs> Army troops, but uh, anyway, he became commandant of the Marine Corps, and uh, he did a lot for the Corps. One of the things he did is he came up with a, uh, a birthday message that he sent out to the entire Marine Corps, and he started formalizing the ceremony for the Marine Corps ball or the Marine Corps birthday. Yep. We keep that same ceremony to this day, pretty much. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, the cake is the first piece is given to. And I might have this a little mixed up, but it's given to the oldest Marine present. He passes that piece of cake to the youngest Marine present. And that signifies the passing of the traditions, the, uh, 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 hey, guess what? It's you now. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. To the youngest Passing the Marine. torch. There you go. Passing the torch. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the deal with the cake, you know. Um, I've done Marine Corps birthdays with pound cake out of MREs, you know what yeah. I mean, and cut it with a K-bar, I mean, because you're out <laughs> in the field or something. And I've done it wearing dress blues in a ballroom, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's all standard. And plus that, that same message that Lejeune wrote back then, that is read at every formal Marine Corps birthday celebration. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, what's, what's the cup you're drinking out of? That's a canteen I, cup. That's I, just one of my idiosyncrasies. I just, I, I like this. I thought it. How long have you had that one? Uh, since Christ was a Lance Corporal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, quite a long it's kind of what ago. I figured. Yeah. If you asked my daughter, I think she was about seven or eight years old, she learned that Jesus was, in fact, a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> so, for our listeners funny about me meeting your daughter you know i I meet your daughter i meet you or i find out you're a marine find out she was born at camp lejeune where i have you know good portion of my life has been spent in north carolina back and forth and we get to go see the first house that you and your wife ever bought when we were down there it's kind of neat how that whole circle worked and uh I got to know, what did you think when you saw that walk through the door? (laughs) (laughs) I was holding a six-pack, so he thought, well, all right. 
<laughs> well, he ain't that stupid. <laughs> Bring it a beer. No, man, I had no issues at all, other than the fact he shoots left-handed. <laughs> yeah, you know? But I spent years and years uh, as a firearms instructor, so I can I can teach left-handed shooters. I didn't problem, but I just, I, I got to throw that at him. Just, just smack him in the back of the head until oh, they shoot with the right hand? <laughs> <laughs> well, my son... He uh, he started out wanting to be left-handed, shoot left-handed. You know what I mean? So I yeah. took some uh, uh, some bandage gauze and some duct tape, and I closed off his left eye. Yep. Made him right eye dominant, and then put the rifle in his right shoulder. He shoots right-handed today. <laughs> it was I think it was last year. I pulled into the driveway at his house, and he's out in the backyard shooting or showing Abel how to shoot with his BB gun. And I look at Abel, and he's holding it with his left hand, or he's holding it left-handed. I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that didn't uh, didn't last long. You had had your little experiment. Yeah. You're done. Our friend Steven, when he went into the Marine Corps, he shot right-handed. Yeah. But now he shoots left. Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's nothing wrong with left-handed. Which is... Yeah. But I remember him telling me that. Yeah. Was that a change that was done... I believe so. It, it was done. Sounds like it's probably a it was, eye issue yeah, or something. Something like yeah. that. And I may be wrong about him shooting right handed when he went in, but he or actually I think I am right about that. But he came out shooting left. But I've just I'm I'm left handed dominantly writing wise and I I could do other stuff right or mm-hmm. other stuff right handed, but correct handed. Yeah, correct handed. Well if you <clears throat> If you're a firearms instructor and you're a good one, then you should be able to shoot anything right or left-handed. Yeah. And that's a standard we had when I was teaching. So, I mean, I'm out of practice now. Yeah. I mean, I, I could I could nail him with left-handed or right-handed, you know, it doesn't matter. I've tried. Because you have to be able to teach. People, that's, you know? Yeah. That was my favorite thing growing up. So, I'm very ambidextrous. I play golf left-handed. Wow. But I play hockey right-handed. No kidding. So it's like you know similar motions, but I yeah. I cannot play hockey left-handed, but I can shoot both hands, mm-hmm. like just naturally always been able to. So it was always one of those fun things, being like, you know, going out shooting trap with you know Huey and all the buddies, and been like, all right, I'll shoot left-handed. Like let's let's even play because <laughs> I yeah. normally shoot right-handed, and it's yeah. like oh we'll even it up. I'll shoot left-handed. I remember like, when I first started duck hunting with <clears throat> these guys. I was shooting Chad's Beretta that he had, his spare Beretta, yeah. and that was a right-handed gun. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're duck hunting, the gun doesn't always get mounted exactly sure. where it needs to be. So I had, it was a quick shot, and that the stock of that gun or the butt of that stock was over here. When it should have been here. First of all, that hurt. Yeah. But what hurt more was the shell coming across and whacking my nose <laughs> yeah. on a you know 20-degree morning because that stung like a motherfucker. <laughs> But and I found with shooting left-handed pistol sometimes that the hot brass will go straight up and then down my neck, mm-hmm. and that that's no fun. No. Now, if you haven't eaten hot brass, you're not a shooter. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's just that's just part of the <coughs> part of the game, exactly. So, yeah. so we covered a lot of the Marine Corps. You know, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Obviously, you're my father-in-law. But after getting out of the Marine Corps, going from there, your transition, moving back to Maine, or moving back to Maine, um, how was that? It sucked. Yeah. (laughs) Only because I screwed it up. I did not handle my retirement good at all. Yeah. I really didn't. You know, 
I you I, I was going 110 percent, 110 miles an hour for 20 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So ignorant, stupid me. I'm thinking, okay, well, shit, I'll just keep doing it. It's working. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Well, the speed of the great unwashed masses, you know, civilians, they only go maybe 30 or 40 on a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, at least you didn't move to the south. Then that's yeah. like four. Yeah, could be. That is unreal how they do that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it was a very, very, very extremely tough transition. For me. Yeah, you know what I mean. And a lot of it's my fault. But uh, yeah, I I started out. Uh, I actually interviewed for it a few a month or so before I retired uh, to go to work at Seabrook. Yep. For their security force. Because I figured, well, hell, man. I'm, Guarding a country for 20 years, and I can guard a nuclear power plant. Shit, that ain't nothing. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I came back five days later. I interviewed formally, and uh, I got hired on and uh, worked my way up, all the way up to from a tactical response officer at the very bottom of the totem pole, making 13 30 an hour, up to uh, I was eventually, when I left there 13 years later, I was a primary weapons instructor, range master, um, training supervisor, you know, yeah. for a hundred plus, you know, manned security force. Were you there when they finished the indoor shooting range? Yeah. Yeah, I ran that for almost two years. Yeah. State-of-the-art, really nice. Garrett worked at Seabrook. Yeah. Oh, did you? I was an electrician down there for 10 years. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So how bad is it being in those bullet-resistant enclosures? You're talking about in... Just the guard checks. Oh. Yeah, um... That's got to be terrible. Well, they, when I first started, you weren't allowed to read. You weren't allowed to listen to the radio. You weren't allowed to do anything. So, yeah, yeah that got pretty ass bleeding. Yeah. You know? But uh, now you can, certain posts you can read, certain posts you can, you know, get on the internet. You can use a computer. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, and most everything with the security force at Seabrook is all what they call safeguards. Right. So, I, I don't want to talk too much about it, even though... It's probably since I've been away since 2013. I'm sure a lot's changed, but I just the, I you know, the thing I always equated it to, and just like watching the the, gu- the guards go around and do all their stuff, is it's like I can't imagine doing my job every day carrying everything I need yeah. to potentially run into. Yeah, like you know, being an electrician, like having on my 80 cal arc flash suit, right. just walking around because. Fuck, I don't know. Something's going to blow up next to me. Oh, hell yeah. And But, you know, these guys are... You guys are traveling with 100 pounds easily of gear. Almost, yeah. yeah. And you, know, you got your, your ballistic vest, you know, and you probably got a plate in the front and the back on that. Yeah. Ballistic plate. You carry... Uh, we carry um, a specified amount of a shitload of ammo. Yeah. Uh, plus your weapons, you know. And, yeah, it's, it's tough. And it was... That, and it was twelve-hour shifts too. Yeah, you know? it's that's grueling, and I mean, yeah. it, watching you know some of the guys like, you know, my later times there. I left in two thousand sixteen, but they had the guys doing fire patrols. That's, I remember that. And yeah, it's like you know. Have someone else do it. <laughs> like, yeah. why are you making oh, these guys that, work any fucking back more? And forth for years. When I first started, we had to do that. And then they finally got rid of it because they figured out as we, based on intel and then after 9-11, the world as we know it changed, obviously, oh, yeah. especially in the nuclear industry. Because now nuclear power plants became what they call national assets. 
and uh, everything we do is built on federal law, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the whole bit. And if it turns out that that's going to interfere with a requirement we have of securing the plant, we're not doing the fire watch. Right. Um, <clears throat> even though we may patrol in that area, you know, which we do, but yeah, you know, you don't, we, we don't have that formal requirement. But who knows what's changed? I don't know if we're doing it now or what. I have no idea. You know, speaking of 9-11, and I'll get your thoughts on this, as a former Marine, proud American, all those types of things, I was listening to a podcast today with a guy named Joe Rogan. He was interviewing uh, former or U.S. Marine Corps Congressional Medal of Honor winner Dakota Meyer. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, Yeah, yep. and he was talking about, you know, Joe brought up the fact, how old were you? During 9-11, he was eight, or in the eighth grade, and he's yeah. the same same age as me. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and he says, you know, you, in terms, were kind of fighting that continued battle when you were in Afghanistan and stuff like that. And, <clears throat> and Dakota brought up a good point. He says, I miss America not before 9-11, but 9-12. Yeah. Because everybody was... Everybody was an American on that day, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> and it made one hundred percent the most amount of sense to me, anyways, yeah. because I remember it. It well, was. I, I don't know if we talked about it, but I was talking about it with a couple of guys I know, and it's like you know, I feel like a lot of the problems we're having in this country right now is because we don't have a goal. America's yeah. always been the strongest when it's like, all right, yeah. fuck those motherfuckers over there. Sure, let's hey. You, me, we don't see eye to eye, but we yeah. both don't like that cocksucker. Let's go kill him. You know, and, and it, another it goes way back. You know, yeah. I yeah. mean, geez, you know, it takes an awful long time to take a horse and a wagon across country. Let's build a railroad. Oh, yeah. Holy shit, we built a railroad across the entire United States. You know, we, we went to the moon because we wanted to do it. it hasn't been done, and we ain't sure as hell ain't going to let the Russians do it. Another yeah. thing Dakota Meyer yeah. said, he says, everybody hates the U.S. when we're leading the pack. Yeah. But when we're not and they need something, oh, yeah. everybody loves us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the French were pretty glad to see us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We saved their asses twice. <laughs> I swear. I saw an, uh, there was a, I saw an, uh, it was a Good Morning Britain or something. It was a clip on Twitter today. It was yeah. going off. Um, oh. The, they want to stop clapping because it's insensitive and people with sound you know, loud noises in public places, getting nervous. And it's like, you know, this is why we had to bail your dumb asses out. Okay? <laughs> you fucking you guys were sleeping on fucking bare mattresses because they were using the white sheets for flags and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. Where's this shit coming from? This it's... political correctness crap. I mean, uh, don't even get me started. <laughs> so, kind of on that same vein, so... The President of the United States is the Commander-in-Chief. Yes. Should he have had to serve? No. No? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, the, whole, the whole premise behind our, our, uh, the military-civilian relationship and our democracy is that civilians will always be um, authority over the military. Yeah. Right? And that's what keeps us a democracy. All right? If not, then we become... Uh, theocracy, you know, we, we become a uh, you know a dictatorship, or you know, we'll have friggin' generals killing generals for coups. You yeah, know? that's it, true. So that's a good point. Yeah, so you know, 
technically the way it's supposed to work is, uh, you know, the American people pick who they want to be, the President of the United States. He or she becomes the President of the United States by the Constitution. He's automatically the Commander-in-Chief of the military. And I, I think it works pretty good. I really do. And, of course, he's supported by the, you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which is the yeah. senior generals of each, yeah, each and, branch. And he's really not making any field-type decisions other, no. th other than granting permission from someone coming yeah, to him. Saying, you know, or dictating a, a goal or dictating an objective, yeah. you know what I mean? And then the military carries it out. Yeah. You know? Yep. And we've had some wonderful presidents, like uh, uh, both President Bush's, yeah. You know, they, they allowed the generals to fight the wars and fight the battles. We gave them the support they needed. Um, you had, uh, uh, oh, my God, during Vietnam, you had Lyndon Johnson. He was actually picking targets, you know. He says, I, I want these Marines pulled out of this, and I want them over here. We're, gonna, we're not going to blow up the bridge. We're not going to hit the supply dump. We're not going to blow up the party headquarters. I want you to hit this suspected truck park. You know what I mean? He was literally picking targets and that just killed hundreds of thousands of well not we lost 50,000 in that war you know but that just was killing hundreds of thousands of yeah. people it was just that's an example of what not to do if you're commander-in-chief and I, I hope we've learned that lesson you know? in year 20 well I, I know some of who you served under obviously the second the second George W but in your time in active duty mm -hmm. was it George was it senior yeah, yeah. I started. And it must have been uh, Reagan too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I joined, uh, Jimmy Carter was president, mm -hmm. and uh, it was right after Vietnam. Okay. And the Marine Corps was well. The entire military was basically decimated after that. Yeah. You know, and uh, he wasn't exactly a uh, ball of fire as a president. He, uh, yeah. The, when I said I was with Harriers when I first came in, you know, we we had a tough time getting spare parts for the aircraft. Yeah. We started running out of fuel, so we had to, you know, ration pilot hours and stuff. And um, the uniforms, I'll never forget this, the, the uniforms we had, they were just crap. You know what I mean? It just, you know, falling apart, poor quality, whatever, whatever. You know, we were still using boots from Vietnam, the same style and the same yeah. and everything. And it just, uh, it was amazing. And then Reagan came in, and uh, it was like a ray of sunshine. You know, he increased the, the, the budget, and, you know, it increased everybody's morale. Just because of who he was, just and I mean, and everything, things I started getting a lot better. I can't imagine spending twenty years. The the technological advances, not only just in the world in twenty oh, God, years, yeah. but in in the in the battlefield has got to be just incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, to go from probably the rifle you trained on when you first got to Paris Island and the ones you were yeah. teaching when you left were probably miles different. They are. They are. They were. I, I had the old uh, M16A1. Yeah. And it uh, had a full-length barrel. Used to have a three-prong flash suppressor. Uh, we used to have sea rats back then. Uh, we were still driving Jeeps. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I think they're up at the, the A5. M16A5 yeah. or something like that, you know, which is just an entirely redesigned, you know. And we were shooting those A1s at to, at 500 yards for qualification. Yeah. That's another thing. Marines shoot further than everybody else. Yeah. The Army only shoots, I think, the furthest they go is like 300 meters. 
unless you get specialized into snipers or something yeah. like that. But your typical soldier, you know, 300 yards, I think, is the furthest they shoot. We do 500. That's for qual. And the rifles we have now will reach out to 800-something, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's another thing that uh, the Marine Corps is pretty known for is this marksmanship. Marksmanship, yeah. Yeah, the recruits spend two full weeks doing nothing but eating, breathing, shitting, pissing rifle. Two full weeks. That's... Oh. It's a good lot of training. Shooting. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. And the first week, you don't even shoot a live round. Yeah. You know, it's called grass week. It's where you're taught all the academics and the science behind it, the theory. And then they put you out in the middle of the broiling sun, and you just snap in. You know what I mean? You, you practice the positions. You, you, you practice, you know, dry firing and yeah. all that stuff, you know, for a week before you even get to the range. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad but, they're on our side. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You, you, the, you know, like I said, Carter, that was kind of a low time. Yeah. Reagan, that was a high time. Clinton, that was a low time. Uh, and then, uh, then I retired right after Clinton, right before Bush came in, and then everything started going back up. Talking to my buddies and you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it goes up and down. Yeah. No, it's in its. You know, you, you hear the stories like I heard stories from Stephen saying. You know, they used to have to cover up holes and targets on the yeah. range because they didn't have it in the budget to get right. to get new new targets. Like, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just lost what I was going to say completely. Um, you got any more questions, Garrett? I had a couple written down. I got to find them. Did we have any listener questions? Anybody? What's your favorite round to shoot? I think I had the most fun is shooting mortars. When I was a first sergeant, we had, uh, I was in a light armor reconnaissance battalion, and uh, it was a company first sergeant. We, it's uh, pretty unique. We, we have different variants of the LEV-25. We have the gun variants, which is a 25-millimeter uh, Bushmaster cannon on a, on a revolving turret. We have a mortar variant, which is an LAV, and it has a big 81-millimeter <coughs> mortar mounted on a turntable in the main. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And we got tow variants, tracked optical wires for anti-tank, and logistic variants, and a recovery vehicle, stuff like that. But I, uh, I got to... One of the things I did when I was a first sergeant is... I always made sure I spent time with each of my sections and my squads and my platoons, yeah. and you know what I mean, and uh, dropping mortars. And it's just really cool because you know you, you're this senior. Oh my God, it's the first sergeant, this young lance corporal who's a phenomenal mortarman. You know what I mean? It just really he really likes to teach. Yeah, because he wants to show you what he knows. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And it's just it was just fun to be with those guys. Yeah. And dropping a mortar is a freaking blast. <laughs> really, really cool. So being in the Marine Corps. What's your proudest moment? Oh, jeez. I'm sure there's a lot that comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, I had, a, had quite a few. Um, well, just graduating. That was the first thing. Yeah. Uh, man, let's see. After that, graduating DI school. Yep. Um, 
surviving the drill field, getting out of there with my yeah. stripes and my career intact. Um, and, you know, pretty much all the times I was promoted. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting uh, promoted to first sergeant, that was a big deal. And what, so what, when... When you decided to retire, what was your driving factor? Was it just... I had no more knees. Yeah. Uh, my lower back was gone. Um, yeah, it's hard on you, man. It really yeah. is. And it was just... I just felt that... I achieved, and I was lucky this way, because everything's kind of... A lot of times it fell into place. A lot of times I had to go chase it, you know? Yeah. But everything, basically everything I ever wanted to do in the Marine Corps, every goal I set, I, I managed to get it. And uh, there's really nowhere else to go. I couldn't go any higher. Yeah. You know, first sergeant, sergeant major, it's, it's basically the same job. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Sergeant major, you get paid more and you got more Marines. But, you know, it, it's basically essentially you're a senior enlisted advisor to the commanding officer, and that's what you do as a first sergeant. And, uh, you know, you take care of the, uh, the welfare and the training and the discipline of the Marines. So I, I took it upon myself that if I can keep these problems away from the CO, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he can concentrate on tactically fighting the company, you know what I mean? Then that's that's, a, that's my job. So, yeah, it, it just got to the point where, uh, man, I just, yeah, I, I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish, and it's getting to the point now where, you know, I'm going to OD on Motrin one of these days. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just time to go, you know. Yeah, so. And um, we had a few more questions. A good here. question, yeah. <clears throat> What's the funniest Marine Corps story that you have? <laughs> I'm sure there's a bunch that you can't say, but yeah. <laughs> Mandy, go to your room. <laughs> Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Uh, you mean it happened to be personally, or sea stories, or just anything? I, I mean, I've heard really, a couple of them. Yeah, I can't really think of anything personal, really, that I can relate. Um, a lot of funny times, obviously, but people, if you weren't there, they probably wouldn't understand it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one of my favorite sea stories. All right, there was this drill instructor, and uh, he had a platoon. And uh, you, as your drill instructor, every once in a while, you might have a recruit whose family member dies, so they send a Red Cross message, right? So recruits uh, are on break, you know, at, at the end of the training day, and the drill instructor gets a Red Cross message for Jones, all right? Yeah, Jones is, you know, fucking mother died. Yeah, that sucks. So the drone instructor walks out to the squad bay, right? Walks up to Jones, who's sitting on his footlocker, shining his boots, and he says, Jones, your fucking mother's dead. And he throws a freaking Red Cross message at him. <laughs> so the kid just, that's it. He loses his shit. He's just yeah. trying. He's just terrible, you know. Well, it turns out that the, the lieutenant, the series commander, standing on the quarter deck, he sees the whole thing. He says, drone instructor, come here. i got to talk to you. So the drone instructor and the lieutenant go into the office, and he says, lieutenant says, the drone instructor, that is not the way. All right, to give a Red Cross message to a to a young recruit whose whose mother just died. All right, you will show a little bit more compassion. All right, and I don't ever want to see something like that again. Right, aye, sir. You know, and uh, went away. Lieutenant went away. So anyway, a couple weeks later, oh geez, you know, the drone instructor gets another Red Cross message for Smith this time. So he, yeah, it sucks to be you, Smith. Picks up the Red Cross message, goes storming out into the squad bay, and then he stops. And he has one of those, what alcoholics call, sometimes call it a moment of clarity. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's from Pulp Fiction, by the way. I don't, <laughs> yeah. don't want to, uh, you know, take credit for that. Um, 
And he thinks, oh, geez, you know, Lieutenant chewed my ass last time. I, I better handle this a little bit different. All right, get online. And all the recruits get on. They freaking line up online, position of attention, everything. He walks up to Smith. You know, he's kind of standing there. He says, all right, if your mother is still alive, take two steps forward. Everybody takes two steps forward. Not you, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Hands up the red cross message. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Now, <clears throat> maybe you it's can. It's not true, by the way. <laughs> disclaimer. Okay? It's just a sea story. Everybody relax. Allegedly. Allegedly. Maybe you could you could clear this up for me. I heard a story <clears throat> that it was <clears throat> it was like around Christmas or something in the drill field in the training cycle or something like that. And one of the drill instructors, his wife had just had a baby. It's something like, I'm not exactly sure the the circumstances, but <clears throat> but I heard General Mattis himself stood in for this guy. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Never heard the story. Covered mm-hmm. his watch. Yeah. Covered his watch. Yeah. Never heard the story. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, but I've, I've never heard the story. <clears throat> the uh, where Jarhead come from? As I understand it. It stems back to maybe the 20s, 30s. The Navy, it was a Navy term. And you know what, what our dress covers look like today, yeah. you know? Well, back then, they were like, uh, uh, you know, you, you know uh, the dress uniform for firemen? Yeah. You know, the, the cap? Ours were similar to that. And I think that's where the term jarhead came from. Oh, okay. It's like the, the lid of a jar. I thought it was because all Marines just had thick-ass fucking heads. It could be. <laughs> That's another thing. To be honest, I thought it was the haircut. Yeah. The high and tight. That, that, that could be, too. You know, it's just uh, Navy really doesn't need an excuse to screw with us. <laughs> the hardest part of being a Marine. Oh, man. Wow. Hardest part about being a Marine. You know, it, it kind of denotes what are the, the negatives about being a Marine. I, I can't really, I mean, there's a lot of, th- our standards are higher than everybody else's. Our our height and weight standards are more strict, mm-hmm. you know, our, our PT standards and testing is strict, you know, more so than the other services, all that stuff. You got to keep those standards up. That becomes difficult at times. But, yeah, I mean, the worst part about being a Marine. Um Probably when you get to that point where, you know, I don't know if you're you know, sitting on the shitter in the morning or you're friggin', uh, I don't know, in the woods, you know, hunting yep. by yourself and you think, geez, you know, I'm no longer in the Marine Corps anymore. Yeah. You know? Or you're dealing with this idiot freaking boss in civilian life <laughs> that you know, you know, you crap bigger than this guy. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do what he says, and you yeah. got to do it the way he wants it, even though it's totally wrong. You know? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's what all I can say. I, I really. Other than that, if you're a marine, who in their right mind would not want to be a marine? You know? I don't know. <laughs> that's me. I know a lot of guys want to get out. You know, yeah. When they're in, so God, I can't wait to get the fuck out of the. And then what's the first thing they do when they get home? You know what I mean? They're in a bar, and people are buying them drinks, and. You know, the Marine Corps is the greatest thing in the world. See that a hundred times. Yeah. It's like there's no atheists in a foxhole. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've seen guys that are vowed, you know, and want nothing to do with the deity and 
sure as shit, as soon as a rocket freaking hits near their hole. <laughs> They're praying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how has the Marine Corps affected your raising children? Or how did it affect raising children? Uh, well, I was raised pretty good myself, say so myself. I mean, I had a work ethic. I had uh -huh. respect my elders and authority, you know, things like that. And, and I was, I was a, a pretty decent kid growing up. Um, I just kind of took those same attributes, I guess, or training techniques that my parents used. Um, but being a drill instructor, that helped too. Yeah. I'll tell you why. If, if being a drill instructor, if you take away the violence, you take away the intensity, you take away the, the volume, you take away the physical aspect of it, you know what I mean? The psychological part that, that you played is great for raising kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is. And it's just, you know, uh, work, accomplishment, and then you get your reward. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, just, and, uh, you know, if they see you being respectful of people. You know, and you hold them to that standard, then they're going to be respectful of people. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Just stuff like that. I don't know. I, that's. Well, I mean, they took away the violence. You can't beat kids anymore. Right. But psychological warfare with children, I'm very familiar. Yeah. I've got a redheaded, very strong-willed child, and mm -hmm. then I've also got this really cute little tiny devil. Is <laughs> my youngest. And she is... I'm pretty sure she could hang with the boys in the Marines. Yeah. She's tough. She's tough, yeah. and she doesn't give shit. And because one of my things, like with my kids, is like you know respect is always, and like you're gonna listen to me. I don't care what you say. Mm -hmm. And she'll start yelling back. And one of the things that I've taken from like sort of drill instructor ish type things mm -hmm. is you know this close, you yeah. know, to someone's face and just in a very stern, quiet voice. Oh, yeah. It, she just looks at me and just, <laughs> it's like, oh, 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 this is how this is going to go for the next 18 years. Great. There's a video, Garrett will probably show you after this, but Corinna, his youngest, and Olivia, the oldest, are sitting there, and the oldest is berating, berating her, telling her, you need to be this, you need to be that, you need to be nice. Corinna's got a Barbie doll. And without yelling or screaming or anything, just goes, what? <laughs> and then just goes right back to playing. Just like yeah. nothing happens. Just cold-blooded. Right. Like, I'm glad we got rid of that problem. Yeah. Let me continue my day. That's awesome. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, she's, she's tough. Um, <clears throat> my last question is, who are some people that you look up to? Marine Corps in life? You know, those those people that you look back on and made a difference mm. in who you are now? Um, well, I named my son after my uh, my senior drill instructor when I was in boot camp. His first name was Kyle. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing, man. Every Marine in the Marine Corps remembers his drill instructors. You, you, you will never forget them as long as you will. I can only I yeah. talked to four-star generals that, you know, back in the 1950s, and they rattle off the drill instructors. Yeah. Had, you know, it's just somebody you'd never forget. Um, I've had sergeant majors that, in, that that I looked up to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I had, uh, there's some, a lot of good Marine Corps officers that uh, I really looked up to, that really took good care of me, you know. Uh, some of the commandants we've had were really exceptional. 
Now, Mattis was a commandant of the no, movie. No, no, he wasn't? He wasn't a commandant, no. He was, uh, he was a MEF commander, Marine Expeditionary Force, I believe. So it would have been uh, during Iraq, the initial invasion of Iraq. He was in charge of all Marines. And he's a hell of a leader. They call him the warrior monk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because he, he just, he studies, and he's very, very, very extremely educated and very, very extremely smart. And, you know, and he's just studied the art of warfare for so many years. And, uh, yeah, he's just, and he's a hell I know of a he's made some liberals cringe at some of the shit he oh, says, God, which yeah. is just incredible. God, I yeah, love he's that had part. to get talked to a couple <laughs> times. You know, the commandant's got to step in and say, now, boys and girls. You gotta pull back on the leash yeah, of the dog. General didn't have his copy this week. <laughs> yeah. you, know. you got to him too early. Yeah. Okay. I, I had a talk with Jim. He won't do it again. You know. He's uh he's something. Now, this question said I had my last question, but this question is coming from the one that's behind you. She's piping it into me. Um she said, Why do you love your daughter so much? You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Why do I love my daughter? Right, so much. Well, because I didn't have two sons. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Where does she get this idea? uh, I think it just comes from that. Uh, That, I don't know. But the real question, she, she asked me to mention, uh, Boot camp letters from your Marines? My recruits. Your recruits? Yeah, I made a mistake of letting her read them. I still have them. One of the things when you're in, when you're on the drill field, yeah, one of the things, I don't know if they still do it now. Probably not because you'll wind up going to jail. One of the things we used to do as a senior drill instructor, remember I said you used to have three-man drill instructor, mm-hmm. usually minimum. And uh, the senior drill instructor, he's... The one who passes out mail usually. This is the way it used to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, he pass out the mail. He's the one that wouldn't be screaming or yelling as much. He's the one who you make it apparent, you know. And as a drill instructor, you make it apparent in front of the recruits that the senior drill instructor is God, so he becomes like the big dad, right? And then you have the heavy. The heavy is the uh, usually a senior, you know, drill instructor. Not the senior drill instructor, but an experienced drill instructor. He's had a few platoons under his belt, and he does most of the teaching. Yeah. You know, and then you have what's called a third hat. And a third hat is nothing but a stress monster. You know, his job is to lay waste and chaos and to try to get them to blow their brains, you know, out their ears to, to get them to shit their pants online, to, you know. To bring them down to nothing. Exactly, and... exactly. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, like I said, it's all psychological, you know. But once, I think we used to do it, when we got done with first phase, Right before going to the rifle range, remember I said boot camp stops and we do two weeks of rifle? Yeah, yeah. Right before we go to the rifle range, we used to do what we call love letters. And uh, this is where the senior drill instructor, like, we go home. Me and the other hat, we're going home, all right? The senior drill instructor has them that night. He brings the boys around the footlocker school circle, you know what I mean? Sitting on Ben stand, hey, here's the deal, all right? I need you, okay? They don't have to put your names on it. But I need you to get your letter writing gear, and I want you to go ahead and write down, okay, what you think of uh, the drill instructors, okay? I, I need to know this because I want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're being taken care of, and that they're training you good, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> so these kids, 
They're saying, oh, guess what? I'm going to get back at Joe Instructor Sergeant Levine. Right? I've gotten murder threats, death threats. Jesus Christ. You know, Joe Instructor Sergeant Levine. I didn't know that's what she was getting at, yeah, was this question. That's what talking about, you know. And then what happens is the senior drill instructor collects them all up, and nobody but nobody except us three hats are ever going to see yeah. them, right? Sure as hell ain't going to show them to the officers, series commanders, none of that stuff. And, uh, he takes them, and then, uh, you know, we come in the next day, we get a free chance, we're all, and we just laugh our asses off. <laughs> <laughs> Reading all of these letters and stuff. It's, oh, this is from Smedley. He says, yeah, this is Smith. Yeah, this is Jones, you know. And we're just reading through all these. And uh, it gives you an idea um, if the, the, the stress, if you're achieving what you need to achieve, you yeah. know what I mean? is do they still have that loyalty to the senior drill instructor that you want them to have to keep me and the other hat, you know, out of trouble? Yeah. Um, or is the stress level high enough to where, you know what I mean, we're, we're starting to break them down? And, uh, you know, it kind of sounds like a joke, but it, it really does serve a purpose. Yeah. You know? It's not authorized, I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> back then, you know. They but, probably, it's something they probably don't do anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't know. Um, it's a great tool if you use it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, I kept all mine. So that's what she's talking about. So we were down in the basement a year or two ago. Nosy Nancy over there. And I was just, what are these? And I explained it to her, and she read through them, and then that's it. She's been traumatized ever since. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good times. No doubt. No doubt. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's all I got for questions. Garrett, you got anything else? I don't have any. The jarhead was the last question that yep. we got in. Well, this has been awesome. Oh, and, good. Yeah, uh, I've enjoyed the hell out of it. I really, really appreciate you yeah. coming on and doing this. And Actually, uh, I do have one one more question. Sure. So based on your experience, which is a little bit different from what some of the kids coming out and getting out of the Marines now, but, you know, it feels like today there's a lot more resources for Marines when they get out and, you know, the helping and, you know, there's a lot more awareness to it. And I mean, I, it, you know, it goes back to Vietnam and Korea and, oh, yeah. you know, those guys weren't appreciated Not at all. Fucking terrible. And, you know, there's been strides to make those amends, but also going forward, like when guys get out now, I mean, Steven, you know, he had a wicked rough time when he got yeah. out and, mm. you know, there's, you know, but there's people now that are, looking for that and you know yes the resources that are out there i mean i know you're still i believe you're still you know active in the marine community around here yeah somewhat you know, through the va absolutely. Yeah. yeah so you know it, <clears throat> you know is there anything that you know anything that helped you out reverting back to civilian life or did you go at it on your own um I did what, unfortunately, a lot of guys did, is I went about it on my own. You yeah. know what I mean? And it probably wasn't until about two, two and a half, three years ago when I finally got to the point where, okay, you're not so friggin' right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I stepped into the VA here in Sanford, you know, the counseling center down there. And, um, yeah, that probably saved my life. And I, 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 it's just you. The Marine Corps, it, there's such a unforgiving aspect to it. You know what I mean? There's such a, 
an ethos of, uh, you know, get the job done. You get the mission done first, you know what I mean? You worry about yeah. yourself later, you know what I mean? You clean your rifle first, then you go to sleep. Um, you, you don't, it, the, you know, failure is not an option, you know. We ain't got time for the whining. We ain't got time for the freaking crying, all right? No one's going to be your social fucking emotional tampon. You know yeah. what I mean? You do what you got to fucking do. And, uh, you know, you, you live that life for so long, and then you get out. And now, like, what the hell do you have now? You know what right. I mean? It's just, yeah. oh, great. Wednesday, I got to take the garbage out. <laughs> You're you're, com- you're coming back into a lifestyle where yeah. one person doesn't necessarily care about the next. Oh, They're exactly, about, you know exactly that in the the, the morals and ethics that uh, civilians have. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or just there's make some scumbags. You know now that's how I thought. Um, now they're just shitheads, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you uh, progress, progress, yeah, progress. Which, which, and, you know, like I said, the VA really helped a lot. Yeah, and you know, I had some other issues and stuff. But uh, and uh, if I was to, I can't tell you how important it is that you've got to realize that no matter how tough or badass you are, you know what I mean. There's nothing wrong with walking into the VA talking to somebody yeah you know you got to do it you got to do, i'm living proof of it you know? yeah yeah and um yeah there's just so many veterans out there you know what i mean that uh ah, i'll just suck it up you know it ain't that bad hell i'm not getting shot at the food's good you know what <laughs> i mean i could sleep in the bed uh you know what could be worse you know yeah. the problem is is that shit you're carrying around with you you know what i mean um, it affects your life. Yes. Yeah. You know, my kids, it affected my marriage, and thank God everything's good, you know. Yeah. And we're still together after 35 years, but God knows I put that woman through some hell, you know. Yeah. Now, if you now if there was a guy, if there was a Marine coming out of Paris Island right now and you had the chance to talk to him, what would be the advice you would give him? Learn. 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 Um, find the good Marines. You know what I mean? I mean, just like every organization, you have your 10%. Yeah. yeah. Of course, our 10% is like the 90% in both services, but <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> you know, find out who the good leaders are, strong yeah. leaders, emulate what they do, learn from them, listen to your NCOs, um, trust your officers, and, uh, you know, don't, uh, and, and be safe. And the, the more you do that, you know what I mean? then uh, it's going to set you up for success later on because yes. there's, there's a huge, steep learning curve yeah. you know, when, when you first become in the Marine Corps. And uh, you don't want to get with the wrong crowd. You don't want to get with the, uh, you know, somebody who's, you know, could be stellar but isn't. You know, you want to you want to latch on to those good people. You know, just learn as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, you know, that's a true life life lesson for sure. anything. I mean, it's, you know... That's one of the things I fear the most about kids growing up, you know, oh, yeah. who they who they run with. Yeah. I mean, where are they getting their influences from? Right. And, oh, yeah. What are the kids, what kids are they hanging around with? What are their parents like? What, mm-hmm. you know, what are their morals? What are their, exactly. you know, it's like, like my oldest is going into school next year and it's like, yeah, I don't want this at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, you know, it, it's part of life and it's, you know. She's got a good head on her shoulders, but, you know, it's it's trying to keep that path, and I think that's true for anyone in life is, you know, don't run with shitheads. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And then here's Huey. That's me. <laughs> <laughs>
I was a free range child. My parents didn't know much. Man, it keeps saying that. Your mother's a saint. She is a saint. But I've told stories before, and I know my mother will listen to this, that, you know, she didn't know that I got my first underage drinking charge until I was 28 years old. I, I mean, I wanted to make sure the statute of limitations was way over. Um, the, the problem is she doesn't have that statute of limitations. <laughs> so, so you're just yeah. lucky she lives in North exactly. Carolina right now. Um, but, you know, I've talked with Mandy about it before. I'm like, will you let our kids ride ride their bikes down the road to the neighbor's house? Yeah. And she's like, no. I'm like, I used to ride my bike from my house in Elliott to Portsmouth when my parents were at work during the summer. Yeah. And they'd come home and be like, what'd you do today? And I rode my bike. And, you know, I had gone all the way to Portsmouth yeah. without a helmet on. And look at me. I'm still alive. Yeah. I think I think it's... Now I want to puke when I look at a bike. Took drinking out of garden hoses away from kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, do you know the society's just really gone to shit? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's where, like, you know, I, you know, the the landscape of our world is changing every day. And, yeah. You know, letting kids bike, you don't. I mean, going back to respect and what society is, you know, civilian life versus. Yeah. And I don't know if it has to do really with so much. I feel like everyone, like, everyone of my grandparents' age, I feel like served, whether it was Army, Navy, Marine, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I feel like that whole generation. Fucking all of them, yeah. Went to war, or sure. you know, at least had that respect, and I—that's, you know, definitely not there anymore. No, no, and it's all meism, and you know, you get what can I get out of it? Yeah, and you get a lot of shitheads now, and you've got people that are fucking sick motherfuckers. Yeah, that you can't let kids just go do what they want to do. You know, even you know, we all live in small communities where. You know, when I grew up, I knew everyone. Yeah. I knew everyone around. Same everyone here. knew me. Everyone, you know, my parents were getting calls oh, yeah. before yeah. the cops were getting calls. Thankfully, sometimes. <laughs> Other times, I'd rather the police <laughs> fucking yeah. handle me than my father get a phone call. But, you know, that's, you know, it's a changing world that I think is. is not necessarily for the best in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, definitely not. Unfortunate. And, uh. We just gotta keep them in our bubble. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> dude, it's, it's it's tough. I'm glad I'm not raising kids now. I'm glad I'm done with that shit. <laughs> you know, Amanda, she's your tax deduction. Now. <laughs> yeah. How much of a deduction? <laughs> 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 you know, my kids are grown. They're moved out, and you know, but uh, yeah, it's 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 challenging. And now parents can't even go to the school. And talk to the teacher. You know what I mean? Without probably getting arrested themselves. Going to be yeah. emailed. Yeah, you know, it's just odd. Well, and, I, and the and the flip side of that is the school's not calling the parent. It's, That's another thing. It's yeah. oh, just call the resource officer. Yeah. It's like, well, no, just call the parent, and the parent's going to handle. It. Well, the fucking parents don't handle it now, so. That's another I mean, issue. Right? That's you know. Yeah. Well, like I, I told previously on a podcast, I got cut off by a or tried to get cut off by a teenage girl in her probably her parents car and I thought for a split second of stopping and being like call your fucking father yeah he needs to realize that his daughter's an idiot can't Mm. drive but then I in that next split second said there's a very good chance her father is a 
Prius you know, driver. It's okay. You know, or, or a cop or, you <laughs> know, driver. or he's just going to call the cops and have yeah. them meet me here because I was trying to talk to his teenage daughter. So I stayed in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a better idea. Yeah. Speaking of Priuses, I saw this bumper sticker on, on uh, the Internet one time. It was on the back of a Prius. He says, the money I'm saving on gas by driving a Prius, I'm using to buy more guns. <laughs> I said, hell yes. That makes sense. Good for him. Um, <clears throat> so I guess that's, I mean, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, we learned really a lot. Enjoyed it. It was a blast. I'm glad you came on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Good times. And there's one thing I'll ask to leave this podcast on. Can you give us a new raw? Oh! <laughs> All right. We'll do it. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll absolutely. see you. Take next, care. Simplified everybody. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Sorry I didn't bring a cake. I thought maybe no, he was going right. to have it for us. You'd yeah, think. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, I'll be back for cake then. <laughs> <All right. laughs>